You're listening to Divinely Curious, the podcast for mystics, seekers, and the spiritually curious. I'm Heather Augusta. Join me and my co-host, Emily Rose, for spirited discussions about what's capturing our curiosity and what we're discovering along the way. Um, hey, Heather. Hey, Emily. Do you have spirit guides? I do. <laughs> I do have spirit guides. <laughs> How about you? I sure do. I definitely have spirit guides. Do you want to talk about them? Yeah, sure. Sure. This is actually a conversation I'm looking forward to having with you. Yes, definitely. We can get into spirit guides, our divine helpers, and maybe talk about our higher self a little bit too. That sounds great. Okay. So how did you discover or when did you know that you had spirit guides and how did you learn to be in touch with them? Well, that is a very good question. Actually, I started consulting with my higher self or something like outside of my conscious self, um, through divination, but I didn't know what it was that I was, you know, who I was asking or what I was asking. I figured I was just asking the universe for questions, um, and possibly my unconscious. So I feel like divination was the first step toward that. And I was not like, I was a late bloomer in terms of all of these things. And then at some point, the idea of spirit guides was there in angels, actually. You know, I was totally on the Doreen Virtue train for a while and was like, had all of her decks and was reading her books and all that stuff. And so I was like in angel land, which is, I think, a gateway for a lot of like new agey kind of people. And so I was doing the angel thing for a little while, but basically the whole concept that there were helpers out there was in my mind. And honestly, once I just started asking questions and like even putting forth, like even the tiniest bit of effort to try to connect with something that wasn't necessarily my higher self, I started getting answers pretty quickly. The way that my communication works is I will just, I'll hear a voice in my, not my ears, but like in my brain, I will actually hear sounds and voices and music and stuff. And then actual guidance, like verbal guidance will come through for me. So when I started just asking the questions and getting the answers, it was like, oh, you're there. And, and I started to sort of get impressions of them too, like what they look like and, and things like that. So it's been definitely a process to kind of get to know them, but yeah, that's how, and now I got a whole team that I work with. How about you? Yeah, I feel like I was pretty young and I had this thing I would do where I would just kind of close my eyes and I would just see stuff when I close my eyes. I I would see different beings or animals and entities and I would just ask them questions and I didn't really realize what I was doing at the time and you know, I think we're we're taught as kids that it's just your imagination and that's all it is. And I started realizing over time, but I guess to back up at first, I I just kind of always did it and then never really thought anything of it. Honestly, it was just like an internal, almost subconscious process that I did. And then over time, 
I started learning about journeying and I mean, my mom is, is a tarot reader and she's would take me to women's retreats where we'd camp out for the weekend and have different speakers come. So I, when I was just like in middle school, we would do stuff like that. So that I started learning, oh, this is actually something that people do. And there's many cultures around the world that have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years, and they would call it journeying. So I started learning it was an actual thing that people do. And then I feel like in college, I kind of just I tried to be a science major in college and <laughs> tried to be all, none of this is real. And then of course it, it found me again, I guess is a way of putting it. And now that's what I do for clients is I go in and I, I talk to their guides and that is some of the most potent information and the most potent words and energy that can be delivered in a reading is really what it feels like. It's exactly what they need to hear in that moment. And that's what I now can do for myself. And I've created relationships with my guides over time, but it took a while for me to really put stock into it. And I think it's because we don't have in our culture and, you know, we don't really have a place for it traditionally. And it's something that is really unfortunate that we don't because it solves a lot of your problems <laughs> if yeah. you tap in. Yeah. So I guess I have two questions. So why do you think that guidance from spiritual helpers or spirit guides is more potent than say like from your higher self or even from like a deity? Like if you connect with the God of your or goddess of your choice. Well, I think that's an interesting question because we're getting into a territory with what is the higher self and how is that related to your guides? Because really, I think it's all the same thing. In a way, I think they're just different different facets of the same crystal. <laughs> it's a way to think about it. It's really all the same thing, in, in my opinion. I think your guides are extensions of your higher self. And so I, I guess to kind of lay a groundwork, I kind of see it as people call it non-ordinary reality as where you go when you consult your guides, you consult angels, whatever you want to believe in. I just call it your spiritual space. Like it's a spiritual space and it's kind of what's happening on this higher plane. And this is just my interpretation when I, what I see. And when I go in there, I ask for myself and for others to only speak with entities, with beings, with whatever you want to call them, that have a person's best and highest good in mind. And what that does is it weeds out anything that doesn't have that in mind. And so when I go into a space and there's and I'm encountering someone, I always ask them, are you this person's guide or in my case, are you my guide? And if they don't give me an answer, <laughs> then I'm like, mm, I don't think you're a guide then. But if they say yes, or they give me some indication that they are, because the way that they communicate isn't always the way that we think that they will communicate, then I can go in and start asking them questions. And there are times when I go into a spiritual space where I do encounter an entity, where I do encounter what would be considered something that isn't traditionally thought of as a guide, but 
when I put the filter on it as you have to have this person's best and highest good in mind, or the advice you're going to give is going to be in this person's best and highest good, then I trust the information they're giving is going to be helpful to that person. And so there are times that I was actually reading for a client the other day who is from India and I was talking to a God that I had never, ever heard of. And I wrote, I wrote their name down, wrote everything down. And she said, oh, that's, that's a God from, from the culture, from the small town that I live in. And it was the same name and everything. Whoa. And I had no idea. Um, <laughs> and so they had very specific things. They wanted to tell them that they were working through this person to bring something to the planet. So when I go into a spiritual space, I feel like you never know exactly what you're going to encounter. And I think that guides can take many, many, many forms. And it's whatever form is going to make the most sense to that person, um, whatever energy needs to come through for that person. So, you know, for that person that I was reading for, you know, that was a God that she was familiar with. That was a, a, a figure that she was very familiar with. So she was able to understand what I was talking about and I, it was almost like a shorthand for the energy. And I think that it's more about the energy that needs to come through. And then it picks a modality or a being or a container to hold it. And it comes in the form of a guide. That's, that's kind of what I have noticed in reading for people. That's just my understanding of it over time. But yeah, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because there's, it, it does seem like there's many schools of thoughts around guides and spiritual helpers and things like that. And, um, you're coming from the perspective that if I'm hearing you right, it's, it kind of doesn't matter as long as it's like giving information for the highest and greatest good of the person asking, and that there isn't necessarily a hierarchy. Do you think, do you think there's a hierarchy for guides and things? Um, I think that we all have certain guides I don't know if it's necessarily a hierarchy, but I think we, we all have guides that fulfill certain roles that's universal. Like I, I think we all have what some would call a guardian angel or a body protector. I think we all have one of those. I think we all have an animal guide that can help us navigate non-ordinary reality. There's others, but those are just some examples. So I think we all have these placeholder, almost like everybody has this placeholder, like this will exist for every person. And then I think you know, you have guides that can kind of come in for your whole lifetime. I think you, that they're with you for your whole lifetime. And I think we have, especially I noticed with like those that are gods or goddesses or kind of have that they're, they're entities of some form. I think they can kind of come and go is, is what I've noticed over time. And so I think that, I don't know if there's exactly like a hierarchy, but I think that there are different roles that they can play. And it's just a matter of knowing who like your guides are that are going to be there for your life and having those anchor, I almost think of them as like anchor guides, especially the animal that helps you journey that, or helps you navigate non-ordinary reality, having your body protector or guardian angel. Like, I think those are really essential to have, and they really help you anchor yourself in that world. And then, and also in your physical world too. And then the other ones, I feel like, you know, I think people have more than that, but other guides that kind of can come in and out. I think those are 
they're here to teach you something or they're here to show you something or they're here to guide you through a particular situation. And I think you can actually invite them in too, to help you with things. So yeah, that's, that's what I think about that. Yeah. It's interesting because there's what I've been told and what I've chosen to believe. And then there's been what I've experienced as well. And so one way that I've heard it described is when I talk about hierarchy, I talk about different vibrational states that these beings exist in. Like there is your higher self, which can show up in many different ways. Sometimes our higher self sends messages to us, like sends little messengers on our behalf. So that's like, I'm just appearing to you in the way that you need to see it. Um, I've sort of seen it that there are different guides, helpers, entities that don't exist on levels that we as humans embodied can even relate to. So like they're a totally legitimate guide, but their perspective is different. So they're not going to give us anything helpful to our human experience. Like maybe they're like a really highly elevated being and maybe they've never even been human before. They may not have anything practical for us. And then there are others that may have been incarnated and have some experience to be able to impart. And so when I think about hierarchy, I just, I think about it in terms of like vibrationally, are they in a place that is helpful to us that we can relate to and use that energy? And as we evolve vibrationally and our awareness evolves, our ability to access different kinds of guides change changes as well, because it's sort Mm -hmm. of like going to a plumber to ask for assistance with your electrical work or to ask for assistance about your car. There's just not always a a good match for them. And some people, I, as I understand it, people think of them like truly as a hierarchy. These are lower vibration. These are higher, these are higher, and these are higher. And then these, there's super high vibration guides, you know, kinds or entities or deities or whatever. And that helps people mentally organize it. But if people aren't into that literal hierarchy, I, I like to think of it as like, does this have, does this entity or being have something that's useful to me right now? Totally. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I think that there definitely are guides at different vibrations and especially guides that haven't been human before. You can kind of tell when you're talking to them because the way that they communicate and the way that they convey information is so different. And it's almost like, what <laughs> first? And and the thing is, I think the reason why I feel like I don't experience that as, as much is because I put so many filters on the information I get. Um, because if I don't, I get all kinds of stuff I don't want is, is what happens. Um, I start communicating with people who have passed on and I don't like being a medium. (laughs) So I don't really do that work, which, you know, kudos to people who do that work because it's intense. Um, so I feel like I don't see them as much because if they don't, if they're not here to help, they're not going to give me something helpful. I'm probably not going to see them. Right. Um, because that's how I'm, I'm fine tuning the fader on my radio. Yeah. 
I mean, it seems like that there's some that they can have an agenda, like there can be an agenda, like, for example, if it's a, if it's a deceased loved one or just this deceased person in general, like their agenda may have nothing to do with the greatest good of the person who's seeking guidance or even humanity at large. They're not necessarily negative entities at that point. They just don't have an agenda that is aligned with yours. And putting that filter on is, is so smart and will save you a lot of like misdirection. I think it's, it's like making friends. It's like being really clear about what kind of people you want to bring into your life. Totally. Yeah. I, that's exactly why I put that filter on is because I would start talking to people and I'd be like, are you a guide? And when I first started with, you know, doing this more, you know, seriously, and they wouldn't tell me why they were there or it would be evasive. And then they, they would say, I need you to tell this person this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get, it's like getting in the middle of someone's affairs is almost what it it feels like. And like, maybe this is a whole other episode on mediumship. I'd love to talk to a medium at some point and, and talk to them about this because when I feel like I go in and I, I communicate with those that have passed, I've rarely had that be a good experience for anybody. You know, when I first started, I was like, okay, whatever comes through, I'll just tell the person. And then the person that came through a lot of times was highly problematic person in that person's life or, and they had unresolved stuff with that person. And then I'd say, well, they're, they're feeling this way and this way and it's unresolved stuff. And then they would just be like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, you know, maybe that's something they need to do. I don't know, but I just didn't feel like that's my place to do that. It didn't feel right for me, but I know other people are like called to do that kind of work. So I'd love to talk to a medium. Maybe that's a future thing. (laughs) It's funny too, because like, it seems like there are going to be guides and beings that are really like problematic if you try to call them in. But also there are others that their priorities are just not aligned with yours. Like they may be like, we're going to save the planet and we're going to save all the animals. But if this isn't really for my highest good for me right now, Like that's not an alignment of priorities in that moment. It might be in alignment for everybody on the planet, but for you in that moment, it is not. And so that isn't a good match for you. So it's just, it's funny how there are real life similarities to this. And it's not hard to understand that there might be ways that these real life scenarios are also reflected in the spirit world as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, totally, totally. So a lot of my clients will be like, oh yeah, I have a spirit guide. It's my grandfather or yeah. yada, yada. And, or it's my deceased, you know, cat or something like that <laughs> or family member. And I've always been told that deceased people that are your family members can help you, but they are typically not your spirit guides. What has been your experience or belief around that? I would agree with you. I definitely don't want to take away from anybody who who has that kind of connection with a loved one that has passed in any form and you feel like they're with you, you know, I'm I'm definitely not going to take away from that. But I do think that usually spirit guides and I guess I should preface this with this is like mostly based on my experiences (laughs) with doing this and just like the unique way I feel like I work too so you could learn a lot about this by looking at different cultures and and how they view this as well 
because I also think it works differently depending on the culture you're coming from and the culture that you're honoring. So I think that most guides though, like generally speaking, I think they can be from your ancestry line. I think that's definitely possible and common to have guides that come from your ancestral line. But a lot of times it's from a long time ago, like long, 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 long time ago. And it's because like that being, that soul, that whatever you want to call it has gone through enough cycles, has gone through enough things that they are available to you through your life and to help you become whole. So that's generally what I see when they're an ancestral guide. I rarely see immediately departed people. So, and even that, what I'm saying immediately departed is like in your lifetime. I'm generally not seeing that because usually, and this would be a question to ask a medium (laughs) with what, what happens, you know, in between now and then, but I feel like, you know, I had my grandma passed recently and I talked to her in dreams all the time. And I feel like I'm learning more about what a soul goes through after that. And I don't think it's just a simple flick of the switch that they could become a spirit guide, you know, in in that way, I think it's more complicated than that. But that's not to say that I don't think that departed people can't be with you. You know, I think, I think they can. I just don't think we, we traditionally would call them like a guide, but I think they can absolutely still be with you though. They can still send you postcards, but you can't pick up the phone necessarily and talk to them, you know? Like there's maybe impressions or some information. It's not as clear of a channel. I don't know. One of the things that comes to mind is that if someone has recently departed, like you said, in a lifetime, they probably are still in the cycle of reincarnation. And if they're hanging out to be a spirit guide for you, it means that they're not reincarnating. Mm -hmm. Like, and why is that? Like, why are they not going back into another life cycle? And the modality that I practice, we see some of that, like you can have connections with somebody who's departed. They can be in another place and still connect with you on a soul level because our souls can all connect with each other. But in terms of like that personality coming through as whoever that family member is, by holding near you, you're actually preventing from continuing on their soul's journey. And so that's one of the things that we uh, work through. Um, helping people to kind of be able to let go so that soul can kind of what they're doing on their soul's journey. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that because, you know, recently going through this with my grandmother, it's been really interesting to experience what that's like to kind of see, okay, because when she first passed away, I was like hoping I would see her in my dreams, you know, like, gosh, I just want to see her in my dreams. And then she didn't show up in my dreams for a couple of weeks. And that was unusual because when other people in my family who I, I haven't been as close to when they pass, I usually see them right away. And they, we have a conversation almost, and I didn't see her for a long time. And then I had a dream about her and she was sitting at a desk and was literally going through files. And I was like, are you okay? I haven't seen you. She goes, I'm figuring things out. And like, She's almost like taking stock of things. And then I had a couple of dreams where she is trying to get on a train, but she can't decide what to take. And 
he's like sorting through objects and trying to, it's interesting because it's like, and again, this is not the realm I typically work in. So it's interesting just to be curious about it, which is what we're all about. (laughs) And, and saying like, oh, like there is like this almost accounting that it feels like is happening. And I realized by asking her to come see me, I was like, please come see me that I'm almost interrupting that process is almost what it feels like. And so I just said like, it's okay if you don't come see me anymore, which I don't know if that's, if that's necessarily bad, if they come see you, I don't think it's bad exactly. But I tried to just say like, I'm releasing this, like you don't have to come see me. So I just thought that's interesting going through that now though. And learning how that kind of works, because I think the way that she comes through for me now, instead of like, I don't really think of her as my spirit guide, but like, I notice certain refrains come in my head that she used to say all the time, way more now than when she was alive. Like she would say things like, never go to bed with dishes in your sink. That was one of her things she said. And now I can't do it. I have to do all the dishes before I go to bed. And that was not a thing I really did before she passed, but I hear it in my head. So I feel like that's kind of, the way that they're with you almost. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder, you know, there's there's the embodied version of us. There's Heather and there's Emily, right? Yeah. And then there's our higher self, which is the part of us that's still connected to source that's not actually in the body. That's sort of that interface between like everything else and our physical experience. There's us at a soul level, which isn't even inside of a body. It's just so much bigger than that. And I kind of wonder if when we're communicating with our loved ones, we are actually communicating with their souls or their higher selves and not the them that was personality and stuff. And and it that feels more elusive it's a little harder to grasp onto it because it's not going to have a personality it's going to actually be an amalgamation of all the versions of them that have existed up until this point but because it's eternal whether or not they're in reincarnation like if they're incarnated or not that aspect of themselves should be available at all times so your grandma could be reincarnated you know as someone else next year and that part of you would still be able to connect with her on a soul level because that soul is not incarnated. It's just like existing eternally. And so that might be a way to reconcile the whole guides versus, you know, deceased people. Like, can they guide you or not? And perhaps if you do connect with them at that level, they may not have the kind of practical advice you need, (laughs) but they might, you know, they might. Yeah. That is a really... I think nuanced way of thinking about it. And I think the other thing about all of this stuff too, is that it's impossible to explain like fully with, with words, which is obviously what we're trying to do on a podcast, but it's so experiential as well. And when you experience it, you know. And so I think for anyone who has loved ones that have passed or for anyone who communicates with guides, just trust what you feel with that. If you feel like you have a loved one with you, they're probably with you. You know, if you feel like you have a guide that's, that's with you and helping you, they're probably with you, right? <laughs> helping you. Like, and I think it's, and that's one thing that I've, I've kind of noticed is I, I tried to do studying on a lot of these things. And I took 
a number of workshops and classes and got private mentorship or, or group mentorship, I should say, with, with a shamanic practitioner. And what I've learned is that your unique way of connecting and your unique way of communicating and understanding and and I'm using air quotes here, seeing things is yours. And I think that that's kind of what it all comes down to is, is experiential. It's, it's the experience. Yeah. Do you have like set guides that have stuck around? Do your guides rotate in and out of your life or do you just have the same crew that you've been working with? I definitely have some that are the same crew. Absolutely. And then I have guides that rotate that or that kind of come in and out. When I started working with a small group and with a shamanic practitioner, they really helped me create a very solid relationship with key guides, including my body protector or guardian angels, some people call it. And then, well, actually three guides, my body protector, and then my animal that helps me journey and helps me navigate non-ordinary reality and my energy cleansing guide. Those are the three that I would say are the are the strongest that I have that I communicate with regularly. There are more than that, but those are the ones that I really developed strong connections with that I can access anytime and really feel them there. And that took work <laughs> to, to do that. It wasn't just, oh, I know they're there and, and I feel them so strong, like which some people do and that's great. But I really had to, like with my guide that helps me journey, I would leave offerings for them for a while and I would really spend time every day connecting like five, 10 minutes a day for months connecting with my animal guide to really understand them and their language. And it was really intentional work guided. I was, it was with a practitioner that I was working with. And then with other guides, usually it's when I'm in a particular aspect of my life that I'm trying. And it's, it's like, I'm at a, at a place in my life, then I'll notice like a guide or a God or a goddess or mm -hmm. something will come in. And a lot of times I have no idea who they are when they show up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most surprising things about journeying and getting to know your guides is the genuine surprise you experience yeah. all the time. Always surprises, it seems like. But yeah, they, they show up and then they're telling you all these things and you're like, what? And then a lot of times I go to Google after I'm done with my journey and I type in some of the stuff they tell me and they're like literal quotes from things that I don't even remember hearing, or they're talking about a part of the world I've, I don't know anything about. It's just like, what? Or they show me a symbol and I'm like, what is that symbol? And then I learned that it was printed on a coin or something. And, and that was what they were talking about. It's just bananas, like the stuff that, that comes through it. And so that feels a little bit more transitory to me to like something I'm calling in, or I almost feel like, I don't know how to describe this adequately, but beings that almost employ you to help with their stuff because it aligns with your work. They almost ask you to help them with something that they're trying to bring forward. And I see this a lot with my like super spiritual clients. This happens a lot. And some of them are like, I've seen it a, like a few times where they're new, they're new beings that like, I think would be kind of like a god or a goddess and they don't have a form yet, but I see, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like their energy and they're trying to take on a form almost. It's, it sounds, it sounds crazy if you're not into journeying, but if you're into journeying, I think you'll know what I mean. <laughs> well, I think this. you bring up a couple of points. So one thing that's really interesting is that like, 
for me, that was very disconcerting when I, when I had guides transition away from me, I was frustrated because I had felt like I had built a relationship with them. And then I'm like, where is this guide? Like they're gone. Mm -hmm. Where did they go? We had a good relationship, but it's very much similar to what happens in our lives. We have friends and family that come in and out of our lives. And I, I wish someone had told me sooner, like, it's okay that this guide isn't around anymore. You're going to inevitably attract more. And that just means that their purpose is done. Cause I thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, what am I doing wrong and stuff? And then I think the other point is like, yeah, it is a relationship. And that the more that you nurture that relationship, the better experience that you're going to have in terms of like clearer communication. It's just like human and animal relationships on earth. The better you work on your relationships, the better outcomes and the better communication that you have. So I think that's something that I wish that I had understood sooner. Yeah. And I think something that I think Anna Alexander told me this, you know her, right? Mm -hmm. Um, From Portland community. She told me, you know, you can ask your guides to say goodbye to you before they leave. Oh, that's nice. And so I started asking that when I knew they were transitory, like, can you come say goodbye to me before you leave? And a lot of them do. A lot of them will come and say, or I'll have a dream about one of them that they're leaving. It's not always in the way I want them to say goodbye to me, but (laughs) they they do. So that's also helpful just to ask them, like, can, can you say goodbye to me before you, before you go? I love that. I, and the point that you were making about, you know, certain beings and guides having an agenda or a priority that aligns with yours, it seems like a lot of people that work with animals and nature spirits and stuff like that will sometimes end up connecting with the ones that are of the place that they're in to help take care of the land that they live on or have some sort of agenda that's aligned in that way. Definitely like deities, like gods and goddesses and whatnot can have agendas that are like location or societal base too. And it's good when you get into those mutually beneficial relationships, it can be great, but it's also good to know that you're in a mutually beneficial relationship. (laughs) You know, if you don't know that you might just be kind of blindly following some sort of guide that you think is just doing this for you, but really like they're getting something out of it too. I feel like that's like a big difference between like connecting with deities and connecting with other kinds of guides is that with deities, there seems to be like more reciprocation. There seems to be like, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Like historically among humans across many cultures, that's kind of often been the case. There's very few deities that just like just issue unlimited help and blessings without any like expectation of, of sacred reciprocity. Yeah. I think that it is true. And I just have to say too, it's so different. Every time I go into someone else's spiritual space, it's so different from person to person. Like I'm surprised every time, like <laughs> literally every time I go into someone's space, it's like, okay. And the other thing is like going into someone's space that's from like a different culture is always really interesting because, you know, the way the guides will communicate will be different than what I'm used to from like my own culture. And so with deities, what's interesting too, is if they're an established deity, I think you're right that they, they do kind of expect it is a reciprocity that's, that's happening. But sometimes it's, it's interesting because they're just supposed to be like, 
okay, I'm the idealized version of this particular energy that you're trying to call in or whatever. Sometimes it's that, but then I notice with like my most spiritual clients that I have, people who are like very connected all the time, they're expecting them to do stuff. (laughs) And a lot of times, not always, a lot of times they're very transparent about that though. When you go in that they're saying, I want you to do this type of work in the world because that's what I'm here for. And a lot of times when I'm going into their space, I don't know who this guide or god or goddess is and then they tell me their name and then then I like will google it and it's like oh goddess of of compassion and love and you're you they told you you have to go to nursing school then you're like oh like it makes sense over time so I feel like literally every time I go into a spiritual space I'm learning something totally new and learning a totally different way of thinking about spirituality every time There's so many flavors. There's so many flavors of guides and helpers and things like that. Yes, there there are. And what I find is that they will communicate with whoever's trying to access that information in a way you can understand. And that's where imagination comes into the picture because they're going to use images from your inventory of your mind. They're going to use fixtures from your inventory to convey the information that they want to convey. So that's why people feel like they're imagining things when really how else are they going to communicate with you like kind of kind of like what you're saying heather about the different frequencies that different beings could be on sometimes they'll just show you an image that you understand to try to to try to convey it and so i feel like when people are trying to access their guides it's really important to kind of have an open mind when it comes to this and having no expectations of what you're going to see and then And then being open to whatever, you know, you're like, well, I might be imagining it just being like, okay, well, maybe I am, but I'm still going to pay attention to it. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the place where a lot of these guides and helpers exist, there is no language. Like language is not useful in that place. Or if there was language, it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, your native tongue. So words are not appropriate. So they're going to send you pictures. They're going to send you smells. They're going to send you sounds. They're going to send you impressions. There's all kinds of ways that guides can connect with you. And I feel like some people are able to get the language-based downloads. I get language-based downloads, but that is not the only way that I get downloads. I get guidance a lot of different ways. So are there ways that you have gotten or that you've seen other people get guide specific information that's really different that you're like, okay, that seems like a guide that's coming through. So what's interesting is whenever I tune into somebody like right away, I always get, I get a consistent type of information every time right away. And I think that might be my own individual imprint or like what I was given to to have the innate ability to know or something. I don't know. But usually what I always see is a chakra color. Always. I always see a chakra color and I always see how they're carrying that at that time. It's usually like the loudest part of their energy body that needs attention or something. Like I just read for someone the other day where I saw a blue crystal and it was in her throat and it was like, punching her throat, like cutting, almost cutting her throat. And then I told her, I'm like, you have something that needs to come out right now. 
it's like choking you. It needs to come out now. You've got to say it today. I don't know what it is. And then she was like, I literally need to tell this person this thing. And it's been killing me that I haven't told them. And so I'll get something like it's in her throat. It's something she needs to say. I'll get some information. And that's kind of the type of information I get. And that's consistent every single time. I don't know exactly what that is like with how I'm receiving that, but I get that every time. And then I kind of go into their space and I wait. I just go in and I, I just wait. And sometimes guides will come up to me or it's so different every time. Like sometimes I'll just get like a phrase that's repeated. Sometimes they'll show me a landscape of something that's happening. Sometimes they'll just literally come up and talk to me or sometimes I'll know they're there, but, and I don't know how I'm getting the information, but I'm getting it. So every time I go in, I know I'm going to get information from a guide because that's the only beings that I decided to work with basically. And then there have been times though, where I go in and I don't see anything except for their space. Like I'll see their landscape. It's almost like a landscape is how it shows up to me. And then like one time I didn't get anything and I'm like, what is going on? And this happens occasionally. And I'm like walking around the space or looking like, okay, I'm like, do I got to knock on doors or what's happening? (laughs) Where are the guys? And then I just will get like a single phrase. Like one time I got a phrase, she needs to send the smoke now, or we're not here. And I'm like, okay. So I just went out and I told her, I'm like, it says you need to send smoke. And she's like, oh, I, I'm supposed to, in my culture, we're supposed to do that every day for our an- uh, for our ancestors. And I'm like, oh, well, you've got to do that or they're not going to show up. Yeah. Nobody's <laughs> going to come to like, your party if you don't send an invitation. You've got to send the invitation. So I told her, I'm like, you've got to light, light the incense every day for this. And it's just so different from person to person, but like, I know whatever information I'm getting when I go into their space is from a guide, because that's what I've asked for. And I bring my guides with me when I'm journeying and they're not doing anything. They're just there. And sometimes I put on layers of protection if I feel like I need it, but they're going to not let anything through that isn't supposed to be there. Yeah. That's interesting. I putting out that invitation to your guides is like key. You have to invite. I mean, some people their guides are like throwing things at them and knocking them on the head and stuff. And they don't, you know, they're not registering it, but for most people, they do have to send out an invitation in order to get that communication. Otherwise they just don't, you know, they don't communicate. Well, and what's interesting is it's like so different from, I I know I'm, that's like annoying that I keep saying it's so different from person to person, but like for some people, they don't have to do anything and their guides are going to be screaming at them. Their guides are going to be in their face. I show up I sometimes a person will just come on the screen and I usually tap in before I'm like, okay, bring me something forward that is important. And sometimes I see there and I literally see them on the screen screaming. And that happens a lot with some people, but then others, they need to continually communicate. And I think it has to do with a lot of things in particular. I think it's like whatever your life purpose, soul purpose, whatever that is for you, I think that plays into it. And I also think there's a big ancestral part of this as well. And what your ancestry, and I don't just mean immediate, this is long, 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 long term, what your relationship is with that. Because I think a lot of guides are ancestral. And so sometimes, and this is a whole other topic is ancestral healing and, and, and doing all of that, but sometimes it has to do with that. And so, yeah, it's complicated. So, but I mean, I think you also bring up a good point, like 
yes, some people's guides are going to actually be shouting. You don't have to send out an invite, but you do have to pay attention. And other guides, you like, so if you're the kind of person that you aren't getting anything from your guides, yes, you might need to send out an invitation because everybody might've left or something like that, or they're just doing something else. And that there's going to be both situations that are possible. I mean, I know for me, when I started to actually actively connect with my guides, it was, it was very apparent that they had been there and they had been talking to me. Their voices were already familiar to me. It made more sense. Some of the guidance that I'd gotten, I didn't know it was from a guy. I thought it was my higher self. That was my own like intuition, but it started to make much more sense. So, and i I feel like most people are actually in that camp. Like once they start to connect with their guides, they're going to realize that, oh, oh, this guide has been around this whole time. You know, things start to click into place. And that's one of the magical things about starting to like actively work with guides is that you realize that some guides have been there the whole time. Yeah. And I feel like working with guides at first, when you start actively doing it, it might feel a little disorienting, but it over time, I feel like it should feel like you're coming home a little bit, like what you're saying. And it it should feel not scary, you know? And I think people are a little afraid to start doing it, but it, yeah, I, I like how you describe it. Like they've been there all along. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like reestablishing connections with family that you hadn't had connections with before or that you'd lost connection with and then like reconnecting with them and then realizing that they're super cool and awesome and that they care about you and want to and want to help you. <laughs> like long lost family. So I I feel like it is it's exciting I think when people start to connect with their guides. I'm curious I'm going to ask you about books or resources that you've had referred to for connecting with guides. So my very first real clear directed foray into connecting with spirit guides was with Sonia Choquette's Ask Your Guides book. Have you read this book? You gave it to me. (laughs) I did read it. When we first met. That's right. I totally forgot about that. So one thing I really like, you know, this is Sonia's view of this, but I really love that she she kind of gives you like the various flavors that are available, like the menu of guides that can be available to you. And, you know, she has the helper guides, the healer guides, the teacher guides, the animal guides, the joy guides. I mean, joy guides, that's awesome to think that you have guides that their only job is to just like bring fun into your life. Heck yeah. Light beings, you know, there's earth guides there's a runner guides who who just run and go and take care of things for you there's there's ancestors there's archangels ministries of angels there's so many different guides i love this because it helps you you know make a conscious decision of what kind of guides that you want to work with and it helped me because it helped me think about what i needed so that I knew who to ask for and what to ask for. Another book that I'm listening to right now is called The Seven Types of Spirit Guides by Yamil Yamune. And she's got a little bit of a different perspective because she talks about like ascended masters and star beings and and ancestor guides and things like that. But I feel like if people are wanting to look into connecting with our guides, that reading a few different kinds of people's paradigms around this can be really helpful and allowing yourself to sort of familiarize 
yourself with the different types of guides that exist so that you can choose who you want to connect with and who you want to make friends with. Do you have any resources that you really like for connecting with guides or for learning about connecting with guides too? Yes. So, okay. I guess my experience, I'll be honest, I haven't read very many books on journeying or anything like that. I've either taken workshops or got, got in small group or private mentoring and different teachers. That's primarily how I've, I've learned. And a lot of them, I can't share their name, unfortunately. So I don't mean to be cagey. They've asked me not to share. I have a particular place that I recommend workshops through. That's really great. The school that I would recommend is the Light Song School of 21st Century Shamanism and Energy Medicine. You've probably heard of them, but they're in the Portland area and I have taken a couple of their workshops and they are very high quality. So that is a really great place to learn about how to journey and basics about that. One book that was really interesting and and helped me with my personal images that I've been seeing since I have a mostly a Celtic ancestry and and background is it's called On Caro Gwyn, but that was really helpful for placing a lot of the things that I was seeing because I didn't understand what I was seeing. And then I kind of got the hint, oh, get this, get this book when I was in a bookstore. And then I picked it up and it had all the images I was seeing. (laughs) So that was helpful for particularly if you come from like a Celtic kind of background. Um, It's not just about journeying. It's not actually really about that at all. It's really about pre-Christian Europe and what that looked like. And so it is a bit heady with reading it. It's not the easiest thing, but I think in general, like your ancestry is important when it comes to this. And so even if you don't know exactly what, you know, just knowing the general region that your ancestral line goes through is important, I think. And so learning about the types of relationships that people have to the spiritual world in your region is an, is is important. So I would I would say like any book that has to do with that is really helpful and can really help you get in touch with when you do see things that might help make some more sense of of it is what I found. Yeah, it seems like, you know, some people have a natural resistance to connecting with their own cultural spiritual heritage because of complicated relationships they have or that it's just an unknown. But if if you do have that ability to connect with your own culture's spiritual heritage, my opinion is that like you don't necessarily have to adopt the things, the beliefs or the superstitions or the traditions or anything like that. But by starting there, you're actually starting with a very fertile ground to build a practice that it's already like pre like fertilized for you and your particular constitution, so to speak, because, you know, it is, you are made up of the bones and the, and the experiences and everything of all of those that came before you. And so you just have a little bit more of a leg up. If you can, if you can start there, you can do whatever you want in the end, but I I personally encourage people to start there first. And I know for me, I had some resistance to it at first, but once I sort of found a way, found a path that I was comfortable with, I've gotten so much out of the experience. And, and a whole 
other more richer like array of guides and guidance came through when I started to connect with that. And so for me, like even just simply looking at photos of the places that my ancestors are from and allowing myself to sort of get in a sensory perspective immersed in that because reading the history, reading the folk tales and things like that only got me up with some of the cultural struggle part of the ancestry, but finding that beautiful richness of the place that your people are from, to me, that helps me sort of slide a little bit better, like energetically into that space. So I could receive whatever wisdom wanted to come through. So definitely. And I think that is important to know is that you don't have to do this, right? Like you don't have to purely focus on the ancestry part of it, but I like the way you say, like, you're already working with fertile soil basically. And that, that is what it feels like. I also think too, I think just important to note is that as you're beginning to work with this, this world of what some people call shamanism or whatever you want to call it, like it's really important that we respect the cultures that this really came from. And I think every culture around the world has some form of what we're talking about. But some of the things I've seen in in the space is just learning about something in a book and starting to do it. And sometimes that's totally fine. But sometimes things we read about are, you know, we're, we're learning about it, but it might be like a closed practice for that culture. And so I think like, what's important is to tune into yourself and what feels right. What are you naturally doing? Cause that I think is safe to do, right? If it's what you naturally want to do. And then as you learn about other cultures, just, you know, being respectful and, and learning this culture does this and taking the time to really learn, like, is that a closed practice for that culture where people not from that culture, that's not for you really. <laughs> and so, and sometimes it's totally fine for you to do something, but it does take a little bit of extra learning and nuance. But I think the general rule of thumb is if you naturally are doing it on your own and it's it's coming to you, then it's fine. But I just like to throw that out there because this is such a fraught area for cultural appropriation. And it's something that I'm always kind of, you know, trying to learn more about and trying to make sure I'm not doing that, trying to make sure that when I do that, I apologize for that with, you know, it's, it's one of those things that is just really important to note in this, in this space. Yeah. And I think hopefully our listeners understand this. If they don't, they're going to learn this real fast. Like we are all going to make mistakes in this process. We're going to, we're going to do something that we learned in a book that's, that felt really fun and good and helpful and stuff. And then we're going to learn that it was totally someone else's practice and it's been appropriated. And then we're going to have to reconfigure and recalibrate. And that's okay. Like that is totally naturally part of this process. And that the sooner that we get to a point where we can just roll with it and adapt, the better we're going to be because if we feel like somehow we are entitled to do that, uh, you're basically putting the brakes on your own spiritual growth because it's not even about these things. It's not about the ritual. It's not about the tools of the ritual. It's about something much greater. And if you can remember that relinquishing some of these or returning some of these things back to where they belong humbly, if you can do that, you're actually getting yourself ahead more. You're doing yourself and everyone else a huge favor by doing that. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is definitely a big thing that can come up when you start to do this work. Yeah. And I think it's also about 
listening, you know, and listening to teachers that I've had, like I had a teacher that said, please don't use the term spirit animal. Please don't use that term. It, it, it's not okay to use unless you're of, of certain cultures. And so it's listening and saying like, oh gosh, I have done that. And now I know better and I'm not going to do that anymore. And I apologize for doing that before. And I think it is like what you said, like adapting and just, that's just part of the human experience, frankly, is just doing that. And I like what you said, like humbly returning it. And I think that's a really good way of, of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of operate from the perspective that I'm culturally appropriating something at, at any time. And I just haven't been told yet. That I've done it. <laughs> so, um, and then just wait, you know, or even ask like, is this okay? Is this not okay? You know, I don't know. I feel like it's so much easier to live in that open, honest and generous space than it is to live in the space of resistance and rigidity and fighting and all that stuff. I mean, that's like a, that's an outlook kind of thing. And I just, you know, honestly, I don't want to fight with people about that stuff. It's not worth it. There's so many other better things we could be doing, like talking to our spirit guides. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I agree with that. So you do journeying to talk to your spirit guides and other people's spirit guides. Did you say you also do automatic writing too? I do that as part of it. Yeah, I do journeying and then I write things down as I go. And sometimes what I write down, I didn't remember seeing or experiencing in the journey. So I have it written down and then I communicate usually to the person or to myself what I saw. And then I'll look at my notes and there's always some kind of nuance or some kind of phrase that came out that I wasn't paying attention to. That's that's kind of what I do. And this whole process that I have of, of doing this totally evolved just with practice over time and listening. There was one time before a reading, I was told, you're going to need a pen and a piece of paper. Just loud and I just heard it. And I thought, I never use that for readings. What are you talking about? And so I just brought it. And as soon as the client came on the screen, my my hand just started going and, you know, that was the right thing for that reading. And then now I, ever since then, it's, it's been a part of what I do. So that's, yeah, it, it just kind of came over, over time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. see any like pitfalls to communicating with your guides just in general for people? Like things that people struggle with? No, I or... mean, like, like, are there any downsides? To, oh. to working with guides and, and helpers and things like that. Well, when you do, it's kind of annoying sometimes because they'll talk in a way that maybe you don't fully understand yet. And it's kind of almost riddly sometimes, not, not always, but sometimes you get it and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I don't know what you mean by this. And then sometimes you're like, I wish I could just be ignorant and tune all of this out and, and, and watch bad reality TV and be fine with my life. You know, sometimes, I, sometimes I feel that way. And then eventually the alchemy or integration happens with myself that now I understand what was said, or I'm like, I guess I've got to do this friggin' thing that they want me to do that before I thought I'm not going to do that. And now it feels right to do that all of a sudden. Like, so it always comes around. I mean, cause I was called to, they, they really we're like, you're supposed to be a full-time reader and you're supposed to do <laughs> this stuff right now. And I had a job before that was, you know, I don't want to say 
easy exactly, but it was really comfortable. And I knew I had to let it go. And I'm like, I can't just keep this job and like do this, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, it's not really a pitfall because it's going to happen one way or the other. So in in a situation that's that specific, even if it's like, oh, I didn't quit, maybe that position would have been dissolved at some point. You know, maybe some turnover would have happened and I wouldn't have liked who I worked with anymore or whatever. Something will force you out of that at some point or the world will shift that it will redirect you. And I think that working with guides I don't want to say quickens, but it kind of does. I think you kind of get to a place a little bit more efficiently when you're working with them. You're you're furthering your spiritual growth in a more intentional way, which means it'll be more efficient, basically. So I would say it's a pitfall, but not really. You get a heads up, but it's not always convenient. It's almost never convenient. <laughs> yeah, it seems like. If it was convenient, you would have already been doing the thing, right? <laughs> Right. Well, and sometimes I go into people's spaces. I go, I have this one client, I go into her space and it's just this beautiful freaking place. And they're like, she's good. She's happy. There's nothing to even say here. She's like, yeah, I'm happy. Everything's great. And like in her space, it's like that, you know? And so sometimes they don't have anything to say to you because it's fine. You're doing the things and I don't know. Yeah. That's what do you think? Well, sometimes I I'll be doing a thing and I get a distinct tap on the shoulder and it'll be like, Hey, 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 you need to pay attention. We've got to tell you something. I'll be like, okay, hang on, hang on. Let me pull the car over. Like, let me get into a space where I can receive what you have to say. And then I let it come in and then it's like, okay, thanks for the heads up, you know? And then other times I'll have some free time or I'll be on vacation. I'll be like, I'm going to connect with my spirit guides. And then I go and I do a journey and everything. And then it's like nothing, or it'll be just like super general and like not really helpful in the moment. Cause there isn't anything new that I need at that moment. So I think that one of the pitfalls can be like, you can have so much fun and enjoy it so much that you can go in and like, try to ask for guidance and, and there isn't anything new that needs to be revealed at that moment. So that's a little bit of a pitfall. What about people who like just blindly do everything that their spirit guides tell them to do. Like, oh, I'm doing this thing. I quit my job without any plan because my spirit guides told me. Well, I've never gotten it where when they tell you something, that person's not ready for it. Like that's literally never happened for me. Every time they say something, that person's ready for that information. And so if they say quit your job, they've already been thinking about quitting. It's already been in their heart for a long time, or at least it's incubated for a sufficient amount of time. And so I feel like if you're getting told to do things that you don't feel ready for, like you don't have to do it in that moment, right? Like you can let let it marinate, you know? (laughs) see how it feels. And a lot of times I get mad at my guides because I'm like, well, I want to do this. And they're like, it's it's not quite time yet. Like if you do that, you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks. So like, don't do that. And then if I go and do it anyway, then I hit all those things that they told me. And so I feel like if something is telling you to do something that you don't feel ready for, and they're telling you and like being really like, ah, you need to do this. They're probably not your guide, you know, because sometimes they've told me things that I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not ready to do that. But then they'll say something like, well, you don't have to do it yet, you know, or they'll say something like, this is just something to carry for a while or something like that. And so I feel like if they're just telling you something you have to do, like you're probably not talking to a guide. Right. 
Yeah. You're always in the driver's seat, just like you should use discernment when you're connecting with guides. You should always remember that you are in the driver's seat. No one else gets to decide because I'm sure you are aware of people. Some of them are actually like well-known authors and things like that who have quote unquote guides that basically take over and like do everything for them. And like they can kind of wreak havoc on people's lives too, because they just sort of blindly hand the keys over to the, to the vehicle, so to speak. Yeah. And I think it's complicated because I definitely have clients where they are asked to surrender a lot. And a lot of them have very deep personal missions in this life that they're supposed to do. And their life is just different than a lot of people's. Like it's, they don't live a conventional life. And I wouldn't have really believed that all the way until I started reading for these people because I I would be so hesitant to say what the guides told me. And I would say that to them, like, I'm kind of afraid to tell you this stuff because, and they're like, oh, what is it? Like, don't worry. (laughs) I've heard it all from my guides. And I tell them and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I think for a very small percentage of people, usually this is for people who I feel like have gone through a lot of incarnations and they're asked to surrender so much of their life. But the difference is is when I tell them that it's not a surprise, it's not surprising. It's very consistent with the messages that they've been receiving. And these are usually people who are highly, highly spiritual. And they're usually people who have worked with death in some way. I've noticed that the most people who who touch that in some way, either in their professional lives or they've personally dealt with a lot of death. That's just one thing I've noticed. So I would say it's important to to know, though, that you do get to be in the driver's seat, as you said. And for most people, <laughs> I would say, you know, 99% of people, it, it's really not going to feel like that. Like you have to surrender everything in your life. It won't feel like that for most people. And sometimes you'll feel challenged by your guides at times, but I feel like it should feel like a professor is challenging you or like that kind of vein, not like a mob boss is coming to you saying, here's your task. You better do it. Like it shouldn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's another really good thing to talk about because I know that I've gone into spaces specifically to connect with guides and I got a strong sense that I needed to like abort mission right away. And Mm. I had no logical reason for it because I had done all of my stuff. I had set the space and I don't know, I must have left a back door open or something like that, but I, I bailed and understanding that that can happen and that you have to listen to yourself. Have you had experiences like that? It sounds like you've had that with clients, but in your own personal work, have you, have you gone into spaces and been like, abort mission, abort mission? Not anytime lately, definitely when I first started journeying. Yes. And I learned from teachers that it was because I didn't have the right protections on me and I wasn't in the right place in my mind to, to do that. I was somewhere that wasn't conducive for it. And I think this can also be physical too. I think sometimes we can be in physical places and the the land is really strong or wherever you are is really strong. And it, if you are trying to establish a channel of some kind, it can take over a little bit. And that's something I've definitely experienced. And for me, it's more place-based when that's happened. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do that type of work here. But it's usually when I'm in a different physical location. But I, I don't know exactly what that is. I think it's usually when I'm by a big body of water, it's it's more challenging for me to put my filters on. Not always, it's just certain places. And so I just don't do that work in certain places. 
is, but that's just me personally. I don't, I don't think that's everybody. So, I mean, I think your point about like, you're saying physical location, but also being in specific head spaces too. If you're in like mid crisis or you're like in the throes of something that's like all consuming your emotional state or your mental state. First of all, it's really hard to journey when your mental space is really cluttered with things. You just can't get there. You get lost on the way. You remember your grocery list or you start stressing about the thing that somebody said to you at work. I mean, it's really hard to get into that journey space when you're mentally occupied, but also emotionally, if you're consumed with something, I have personally found that it can be also very hard to connect with your guides and that those are the times that if something squirrely is going to come in, that's the time it'll happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to do that, to be in the right headspace. And another thing that one of my teachers told me is don't journey while you're in bed trying to sleep because you don't want to get lost in the ether. Because one thing that I've always learned is like retrace your steps back. And that's really hard to do if you're falling asleep. So I think that's another thing that's kind of important to be, you know, awake and in a good headspace and ready to do that type of work, like you said. Yeah. Good spiritual hygiene, energetic hygiene is critical as anybody who's been listening to us will discover like that's one of the key things to getting the guidance that you need is taking care of that psychic hygiene. Definitely. And having a practice. And a lot of times, if you don't know what your practice is, you can go in and ask what a good practice would be for you. And they'll tell you what your practice, you know, what a good practice for you is to, to have a cleansing ritual or practice of any kind. So that's another way you can, you can ask your guides for, for how to do that too. So I recognize you may not run into this often now, but when you were first learning and developing your own practice, how were you able to tell the difference between an entity that was like, we'll just say a lower energy entity versus a manifestation of your own thought forms, like your own ego and thought forms? How did you tell the difference between those two things. Not, not how did you tell the difference between that and a guide? Because that becomes evident by how it feels, but how did you tell the difference between an entity versus like your own ego and thought forms taking like a little shape in your space? That's a good question. I feel like I would notice how my body feels before going into somewhere. Cause if I'm feeling my heart's working up and I'm noticing I have emotions going into something, it's not going to work. It's really like, I, I have a ritual I do every time. And if I don't do that ritual, I literally can't do it. And so having that ritual really helps with that. And it changes my whole, I feel like it changes my whole frequency doing it. And I don't know if this is wishful thinking or hopeful thinking, but I don't think things can come through in that way once that state is established. So when I first started though, I would notice sometimes if I get nervous reading for somebody, which has happened, I read for someone kind of semi-famous and once and got so nervous reading for them. And I was like, okay, hang on. I've got to really reset. Or maybe somebody who's really contentious, like they don't have a good 
vibe coming in and you know and it's different if someone has like a low energy vibe that's different than someone who's you know they they only want to hear a certain thing and they're going to be mad if you don't tell them a certain thing I could tell oh I don't know if I'm going to be able to read for this person because my ego is entangled in that right because I'm getting triggered by something that they're doing and the way I notice that is by how I feel if I don't feel absolutely calm and open then I can't do it so I think that's really how I how I tell if my ego is going to get involved in it. And there have been times where I've just, I've started with a client and I could tell I'm just not gonna be able to read for you because I'm getting personally triggered by you. And I'm like, I'll give you your money back because I, I just can't, I can't do it for you. So I've, that's only happened like maybe three times in all the years that I've been doing this. So I would say that. And then other entities, do you mean like deceased people or like, what do you mean by entities? I mean, entities like any kind of spirits, whether or not they've been people or not, that do not, that have an agenda and it is not aligned with your agenda. Oh, because if you ask them if you're a guide and they don't give you an answer or they try to evade it or they just say no, then that's how I know (laughs) that they're, or if they're, they're trying to get me because like guides, they're not grasping onto you. They're not, they don't have this like needy grabby kind of energy. And I feel like entities that, that want something from you, sometimes they could be kind of trickstery, but sometimes those trickster ones can be guides too sometimes. But usually if you feel this pulling, like grabbies, like they're trying to suck something from you kind of energy, that's what I experienced. And that's how I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, cause that's scary stuff. And when that first happened to me, I, that's when I was working with Rhonda George and I told her, I don't want to do this. This is scary. And she's like, you cannot do that. You don't have to work with them. And that was like the most freeing thing. And she taught me how to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you go to a party and you like meet people and you get weird vibes from somebody or they're being a little intense with their intention to you, you can get up and walk away. I think, you know, before you connect with your guides, doing all of this self-care and, and energetic work is like putting on the seatbelt before you drive. You know, they're just yep. things that you do to protect yourself before you go out and do this kind of work. And if you do these things, you're you're pretty good to go. And if you occasionally run into something that's not for your greatest good, you'll probably know it. And that's what I sort of hear from all the teachers who talk about these and all the very experienced people that work with guides is they're always like, this is nothing to be afraid of. Just like right. you might meet somebody like kind of sketchy, you're out in the real world, you don't have to be friends with them. You might meet like a guide that's kind of sketchy or an entity that's kind of sketchy. You don't have to be friends with them. You can take your two feet and just walk on away from them. You know, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that people get scared about before connecting with their guides is they're afraid that they're going to attract entities. And that is largely to do with a lot of religions have told us like, no, 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 you do not want to talk to other gods. You do not want to talk to guides, you know, don't even worship angels because you might get entangled with something nasty and, and then you're just done for. And that's a really disempowering perspective, I think, to have because we're robbing ourselves of all this rich guidance that is available to us. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think it isn't anything to be afraid of. And I think when you're practicing in a way that does protect yourself, 
And I've heard this some from people who I really respect in our community as well, but I think this is mostly from TV and stuff is we think once we open this door that everything can come through. And, you know, I have had an experience where that that happened to me where I had this really intense kind of awakening to this and I would see things and feel things everywhere I went and you know that was a little bit scary but just know that you can always say no and some people will wholeheartedly disagree with me on that that they can't turn it off but most people that I know they're absolutely able to put filters on things they're able to put boundaries around things and that's been mostly for most people that I've I've spoken with and there isn't anything to be afraid about if you are you know putting those boundaries and asking your guides for assistance in protecting you. And so that's why with every time I I read for somebody, I'm I'm bringing my guides with me, my protector guides, and they're going to be there with me and ensure that I'm not taking anything that doesn't belong to me and people aren't taking things from me. Yeah. You can get your spirit canceling headphones if you need to put those on. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I have a little, you know, I have a invocation that I do before I do any of this kind of work. And I just record myself saying it on my phone. And then before I sit down and go through my own personal physical ritual, I will play this and it's my own voice saying the invocation. And I'll like a lot of times I'll mouth it with it, but it's just like having my own voice saying the invocation along with my physical things that I do really helps to very quickly kind of slip into that space where I can do that work. Yes. And I think having an invocation, which is basically just, you know, saying, putting, putting parameters on, on what you you're going to do basically and what you're not going to do is really helpful. And that's something I gave my Lenormand class this last round was their pre-reading invocation. And it's the same thing that I say before journeying for myself and also for others as well. And one of the main points of it is I'm only asking for information that is helpful, actionable, and in the best and highest good of myself or my reading for a client, my client. And that way I'm not getting unhelpful stuff. I'm not getting things I can't do anything about. I'm not getting things that isn't, you know, that isn't helpful to know. So this is something that's personal to every person. Like you're going to have to make your own and it changes over time. It'll change over time because you'll learn something and say, oh, I want to call in this or you develop a relationship with a specific guide and you want to call that guide in. So I think that is, and I'm so glad you you mentioned that because I think that is really an essential part. And maybe it's not something you physically say, but maybe it's something that, you know, you have a a particular thought that you go through or whatever. It can be different for every person, but I think there's something really powerful about stating it out loud or like if you're playing it in your head too, like that, that's basically the same thing, right? (laughs) For journeying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the cool thing is, is that if you're looking for inspiration, every culture has their own thing that they do around that. So you can look at even your own culture and see like, you know, for some people it's burning something, an herb or something like that. Some people it's like, turning the stove on and putting a pot on the stove and putting some herbs in the pot or cooking something good or, you know, building a fire or a lot of people it's prayer. So you start with a prayer. Some people like in Japanese culture, it's washing. There's like a lot of ritualistic, like washing that happens, hands, hand washing and things like that, cleansing the body. So 
it's great because there are so many options that you can do to kind of get yourself into that space. And boy, I feel like that is a, it's like a magical ingredient to like supercharge your practice with connecting with your guides is bringing in that ritualistic aspect to it. Definitely. And I think having a ritual, it helps. It's almost like a shorthand for getting you into the best possible headspace and just being ready for it. And I feel like it takes time to have a ritual that you can do it quickly, you know, where you're, you're in there and with a ritual, it's important to, to do it over and over again. Right. Like when you're, when you're trying it, because I feel like sometimes people, they start a ritual. This is what I hear from my students. They start one and then they're like, eh, that's not quite right. So I'm going to stop it all together. And I'm like, no, <laughs> what part resonates for you? What part feels good of your ritual? Like pick one part and just do that then. But it's really important to have something you can do again and again and again, because what it's doing is a ritual is sending a signal to your body that you're safe and that you're able to do this because doing spiritual work is scary to your body sometimes because you you're using a different part of yourself and your body only wants to stay safe all the time. It's like, that's my whole job is to try to keep you safe. And you're doing this weird thing that I don't get. Right. And so when you do a ritual, I feel like it sends a signal to your body. Like, Hey, we've done this ritual many times and we've been safe every time. And it's just like a, such a calming thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like flipping the open sign. Okay, we're open for business. And then you flip the closed sign. Do you have a do you have a closing ritual that you do after you're done doing that kind of work? I do. I I just go into non-ordinary reality and do a cleansing that my yeah. guides have shown me to do. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like almost everybody who, especially professional readers, have opening and closing rituals that they do. And and really experienced practitioners do that. And so I think for people who are super new to this, like the opening ritual is really fun and helpful and gets you into the zone, but actually the closing ritual is just as important to disengage if you're not journeying. Cause part of journeying is the whole tracing your steps back as you had said, but if you're not doing journeying, that's not your method. Still figure out a way to like bring yourself back, close the door behind you and end the ritual. Yeah. And I think if you're somebody who you're experiencing things, especially in the waking world that you don't want to be experiencing, that could be a place to look is okay. Am I closing this and, and if you are closing it, maybe look at a different way of closing it or slightly tweaking it, you know, with how you're doing it, because that that's probably part of the, the culprit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. This conversation did not fail to amaze me and make me so happy. I've been wanting to talk to you about spirit guides for a long time because I know you do spirit guides. I do spirit guides, but we haven't really talked a ton about how we each do that in our beliefs around them too. So it's been super fun talking to you about it and hopefully people have learned something from our meandering conversation. Well, it's been fun talking to you about it. And, yeah. <laughs> We will meander. That's what we do. And yeah. I feel like in some of that meandering though, is where you get some of the gems. Yeah. And when we're done, we will put show notes with links to some of the things that we've been talking about, because this is a really fun thing for people to explore and having some good resources is super helpful. So we'll be sure to include that as well. So Thanks again, Emily. It's been always good talking to you. Thanks, Heather. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.
<laughs> Thank you for listening to Divinely Curious. Connect with us on social media and tell us what you thought about today's episode. You can find Emily at Emily Rose Divination or on her website, emilyrosedivination.com. You can also find me, Heather, on social media at Lovejoy Lightwork. Or you can visit my website, lovejoylightwork.com. Thanks for listening and stay curious.